Sure. So that's one of my, that's my youngest son. And when he first started going to primary school, he loved it because he could make friends, you play at lunch times. But then a girl started liking him. And this girl would try to sit next to him. This girl would try to write notes to him. So my son is going, oh, why did this have to happen? I just want my life to go back to normal. It used to be so simple. Just eat, sleep, go to school. Eat, sleep, go to school. Why did she have to turn up? And maybe the same with us. Life was so normal, so simple. It was eat, sleep, go to work. Eat, sleep, go to work. But then God had to turn up. A God who says he loves us, he made us, and he saves us. And we think, we didn't ask you, God, to turn up. We didn't ask you to save me. Who do you think you are? But more than that, this God sends his son, Jesus. More than that, this Jesus, he dies for us, rises from the dead, and now he wants us to live for him as he lives for us. And we're thinking, why? I did not ask for this. So our question today is this, what? What do I do about God? Like, I know there's a God. I know there's a Jesus. I know Jesus died for me. I know he rose from the dead. But why? What do I do about this God? Well, to answer this question, we're going to look at a story in the Bible, a story that maybe a lot of us know very well. And it's a story where Jesus meets some home. And this is every year, just to explain, every year when I give a talk, I think, ah, let's go through the internet and think, what would Jesus look like if he was here today? And this year, this is the picture I'm going with. I got it off the internet because I'm thinking, you know what, Jesus, he wasn't Anglo, and the Bible says he did like to do his eating and drinking. And once again, and we know that Jesus was quite countercultural, iconoclastic, didn't quite fit in. And once again, I got this off the internet. No, it's not really Jesus. It's what I think Jesus might look like if he was here today. But I'm always waiting for the day when someone in the crowd goes, <gasps> that's my picture. You use my picture. And I get to say, wow, it's Jesus. Jesus, you really did come again. Anyway, in the Bible, there's a story about Jesus, where Jesus meets some homeless people, some beggars, and not just any homeless beggars, but there are a lot of them. There are 10 of them. And not just that, more than that, they had this horrible, disfiguring skin disease called leprosy. And more than that, this disease was quite infectious. It was contagious. So they were forced to socially isolate. They were permanently cut off, cancelled, and shamed from society. Well, when these 10 lepers hear that Jesus is walking by, they call out to Jesus. They ask him for mercy, and Jesus heals them. He cleans them, and he restores them back to normal society. But one of them, one of them, a foreigner, a Samaritan, comes back to thank Jesus, and Jesus welcomes this person into his life. He says, your faith has saved you. So what can we learn from this story today? What do we do about God? And I suggest four things. Number one, from this story we learn that, number one, we should call out to God. Because this is how the story goes. Luke 17, verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As Jesus was going into a village, 
10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. In the story you read that these people, they call out to Jesus. And maybe we too should do the same. We should call out to God. But why would I want to call out to God? Like we never call out for anything. Now, men, you know exactly what this is like. Just imagine, just imagine, just imagine that you find out you need to buy a tie. Maybe there's a party you have to go to, a wedding, a job interview. Now you have to buy a tie. And like me, you're thinking, I don't know what to buy. I've not bought a tie for 10 years. I don't know what's in anymore. Are they wide? Are they thin? Are they striped? Are they spotted? Are they plain? Is Paisley a thing anymore? Like, what should I get? And so then you walk into a shop and boom, it's overwhelming. There are too many choices and there are signs everywhere. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to begin. And then a sales assistant will come to you and say, would you like some help? Men, what do you do? You say, no, no, you never want help. We would rather fumble around than ask for help. But we're all the same. We all do this. When we're online and we're trying to book online accommodation or book anything and boom, that bubble comes up. Can I help you? Would you like to talk to a real person? We all go, no, 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 delete, 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 delete. We would rather be lost and clueless than have someone help us. We don't like calling out for help. But maybe we just have to call out for help. I have a friend called Pierre. And Pierre is a very strong swimmer. He goes into those open ocean classics. But one day, Pierre decided to go out for a swim by himself at Bronte Beach. But this was a day where the surf was big, the swell was big, and the rip was big. And the rip took Pierre out a long way, and the rip held him down. And, the, and Pierre was coming up for breath many, many, many times. But it was holding him down longer and longer and longer each time. And as Pierre was fighting for breath, Pierre thought, this is it. This is it. I'm actually drowning. And Pierre said, for real, for real, your life does flash around in front of your, your eyes. And then Pierre thought, you know what? I'm going to have to do something I have never, ever done before. And it was this. He had to raise his arm and signal for help. And Pierre said that at that moment, it was the most humbling, helpless moment of his life. And God wants us to come to that humbled, helpless moment of our life where we too call out to God. But again, we think, why would I want to call out to God? Well, when Jesus was on earth, he divided the whole of humanity into only two groups of people. And we think, well, what are these two groups of people that Jesus would divide all of us into. And we think, oh, he's going to divide them into religious versus non-religious. No, 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 no. That's not how Jesus divides it. Oh, he's going to divide us into church-going, non-church-going. No, that's not how Jesus divides a whole of humanity. Jesus divides a whole of humanity into these two groups. Group number one, the self-righteous and proud. And group number two, those who humble themselves and call out to God. Jesus isn't after perfect people. Jesus is after humble people. 
those who can come to that humbled, helpless moment of their life where they call out to God. But what do I do after I call out to God? Well, here we come to the second thing we can learn from the story, and it's this. We can come to know God personally. And we see this in these verses. Luke 17, verse 15. Now, one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked Jesus. He's come to know God personally. See, he's come back, he's thanked him, and Jesus has welcomed him into his life, into a personal relationship. But again, why would I want a personal relationship with God? So I have three boys. This is my family, my wife and my three boys. And for a while, I, we did the ritual where each Saturday I would take a different boy out and do a daddy date. And the daddy date ritual will go like this. We'll spend Saturday morning where we go out, we go to a cafe, we do breakfast, we play handball afterwards, and then I'll take them to a toy shop and buy them anything they wanted. But after a while, the meaning of daddy date changed because my boys would always come up to me and say, Dad, 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 when's my next daddy date? Because I want you to buy me this. Dad, Dad, Dad. When's my dad date? Because I want you to get me this car. Dad, 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 when's my dad date? I want you to get me this handball. Dad, 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 when's my dad date? I want you to get me some Lego. And so I had to go, whoa, time out, time out, time out. Let's stop this. Can you see what's happened? The meaning of daddy date has changed. It used to be, let's see how much time we can spend together to know each other personally. But you've changed it into what? can you get from me? It's turned into the gift rather than the giver. And we do the same. We call out to God and God in his mercy may listen to our prayers. God in his mercy may give us a miracle. God in his mercy might heal us. But if that's all we want from God, the problem is that, isn't that we want too much from God. The problem is we want too little from God because God wants to give us more. He wants to give us himself. And the lepers who called out to Jesus for a miracle, they got the miracle, they got the healing, they got the blessing, but they missed out because they didn't come back to know Jesus personally. And if we, we too can be the same. We call out to God whenever we want. God in his mercy may give us what we ask for, but if that's all we do in this life, the problem is we want too little when God wants to give us much more. He wants us to have a personal relationship with the living God of this universe. But how can I have this personal relationship? Well, this comes to the third thing we learn from the story, and it's this. We know God by knowing Jesus. And we see that in these verses here. Verse 15, now one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked Jesus. We know God, the God of this universe, by knowing Jesus personally. But we're thinking, why would I want to know Jesus personally? Why does it have to be Jesus 
Well, you know, in Australia, if you want to play sport, you have so many options. You can play AFL, you can play soccer, you can play rugby, or if you're Asian, you can play chess, because it's, <laughs> Asians don't do contact sports, you know. <laughs> chess is much safer. You're not gonna get hurt playing chess. But, you know, they're all different forms of sport. They're all the same. They're just different ways to do the same thing. Who am I to judge your sport? And who are you to judge my sport? And maybe we think it's the same with religion. Come on, come on. Aren't they all the same? All religions, don't they all just look the same? Aren't they just different ways of knowing God? Why does it have to be Jesus? Who am I to judge your way of worshipping God? And who are you to judge my way of worshipping God? Well, I understand this and I so want it to be true, but it doesn't work if God is personal. Because to say all religions are the same is to say, hey, all Asians look the same. <laughs> but hang on, they do look the same, don't they? So when I used to play rugby, my brother and I, we used to play rugby in the same team. And people didn't know there was two of us. So they're always going, whoa, who is this Asian player? He is everywhere. Because they didn't know there was two of us. Because let's face it, all Asians do look the same. But you're not allowed to say that, are you? Why? Because it's very patronizing. And because, come on, when you do get to know them personally, they don't look the same. And it's the same with religions. Once you get to know them, they're not the same. And it's actually very patronizing to say they are the same. Because to say they're the same, that's like to saying to, the, to the, the Muslim, hey, you guys, you worship the same God the Jews do. And the Muslims go, no, we don't. No, trust me, you do. I know your religion way better than you know it. And then you go to the Jews, hey, you Jews, you worship the same God the Buddhists do. And they go, no, we don't. No, no, you do. Trust me, I just know your religion better than you know it. It's very patronizing to say all religions are the same. It's also to not understand how God works. Because I can count on one hand how many times I've bought flowers for my wife. Because I don't understand flowers. I just don't get flowers. Because buying flowers to show my love for my wife is like me showing her a $20 note and say, here, here's $20 and I'm going to flush it down the toilet and never see it again. <laughs> that's how much I love you. Because that's like buying my wife flowers to say, hey, I love you. Now let's just watch them slowly die and disappear. <laughs> but let's say I repent. Let's say I repent. And on the way home today, I decide, you know what? I'm going to buy my wife some flowers. So I go to the flower shop. And the lady behind the counter will say, well, what sort of flower do you want? Yellow ones or red ones? And I go, oh, yellow, red, they're all the same. And then she goes, well, do you want one flower or a bunch of flowers? And I go, oh, one flower, bunch of flowers, they're all the same. And then she goes, do you want roses or do you want tulips? And I go, oh, roses, tulips, they're all the same. So what flower can she give me? She actually can't give me a flower. 
because I've only described the idea of flowerness, but I haven't given her a particular flower to buy me. And it's the same when we say, oh, all religions are the same, one God, many gods, that's all the same. Reincarnation, resurrection, all the same. Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, they're all the same. What we've done is we've just described the vague idea of godness, but not a particular God to worship. And if God is personal, he is a particular God to worship. And again, it's not to understand how relationships work. So here's a picture of my wife. And because all Asians do look the same, that's her. That's the one in there. <laughs> and if I said to you, that is my wife. Her name is Stephanie. She was born in Sydney. And she went to the University of Sydney. You would say, that is your wife. You know your wife because you got the facts right. But if I said, this is my wife. Her name is Eric. She was born in Norway. She went to the University of Helsinki and her hobbies are juggling fish. You say, I don't think you know your wife because you've got the facts all wrong. See, when it comes to personal relationships, the facts do matter. You have to get the facts right. And God is so personal, the facts really do matter. And they matter so much. Jesus had to become one of us so he could tell us what those facts are. And Jesus had to die on a cross because there really was no other way to know this God. God is so personal that the facts really do matter. And because the facts matter, there really is only one way to know this God. But once I know this God through knowing Jesus, what should I do? Well, this brings us to the fourth and final thing we learn from this story, and it's this. Come and worship Jesus. Verse 16, he threw himself at Jesus' feet. He worshipped Jesus. He thanked Jesus. Now, why would I want to worship Jesus? Well, I want you to imagine that I, there's an announcement, and tomorrow, unexpectedly, is a day off. Tomorrow is a day off. There's no school tomorrow. There's no work tomorrow. Suddenly, you have tomorrow free. You have 24 hours tomorrow to do whatever you want. What will you do in your day off? For some of us, we think, okay, I might go to the pub. I might grab a beer. Some of us might say, well, I've got a day off. I might go shopping. Some of us say, I'm going to spend all day just watching Netflix. And that all makes sense. We have a day off. That is worth a day off. But now imagine they announce you don't just have a day off, you have a whole year off. A whole year of no school, no work. You can do anything you want with this year in front of you. Suddenly you think, well, okay, it's a year now. I'm not going to just spend it in a pub drinking beer, shopping, or watching Netflix. What is worth a year of my life? Here we might think, well, I might learn another language. Or maybe I might learn an instrument. I might go traveling. That is worth a year of my life. But now imagine the question is this. What is worth not a day, not is worth not just a year, what is worth your whole life? What is worth your life? So the question becomes this. What is worth more my life? What would, I, what would I give my life in exchange for? 
what do I worship? In other words, what do I worship? That's the question for today. And we all worship something. This is David Foster Wallace, American writer, not a Christian, an atheist, but he gave one of the most famous graduation commencement speeches at a USA college. Someone's preserved it and rewritten it in this book called This Is Water. And in this speech, David Foster Wallace says, we all worship something. Whether you believe in a God or don't believe in a God, we all worship something. And David Foster Wallace said, whatever we worship will eat you alive. It will destroy you. It will consume you. And we all worship something. And David Foster Wallace says, you might choose to worship beauty. You might choose to worship being attractive or fit and healthy. But if you do, this will eat you alive. Because at the sign of the first wrinkle, the first blemish, you will die a thousand deaths. And then David Foster Wallace says, you might choose to worship power being the one in control of the room. But if we do this, this will eat you alive because now you always feel insecure. You'll be threatened of the next person that comes into the room. You'll do everything you can do to hang on to the power that you have. Or maybe, David Foster Wallace says, you will choose to worship intellect, being the smartest one in the room. But if you do this, you will always feel like a fraud an imposter, just one step away from being found out. David Foster Wallace says, we all worship something, but whatever we worship will consume you, destroy you, and eat your life. And he wasn't a Christian, but he said, it may as well then be the Christian God, because only the Christian God won't destroy you. In fact, we know it's the opposite. Jesus comes to be the one destroyed so we don't have to be the one destroyed. And that's why if we're going to worship anything or anyone, it should be Jesus. And that's why Jesus says, I am living water. I will fill your thirst. I will fulfill you if you worship me. Jesus says, I am that friend who will forgive you. Jesus says, I will be the family where you find belonging. That's why we worship Jesus. Because only Jesus can fulfill us, forgive us, and give us family. So do you remember our original question? It was this, well, what? What do I do about God? I didn't ask there to be a God, but there is a God, and there's a Jesus. What do I do about this God? Again, this is my youngest son, big AFL fan, big Adelaide Crows fan. So one year we actually decided to go down to Adelaide Oval for a family weekend. We went to a Crows game. He bought all the paraphernalia. He got the shirt, the badge of one of his favourite players, the jacket and the hat. And this hat became his favourite hat. But on the way home from the airport, we caught a taxi and my boy accidentally left the hat in the taxi. And poof, we lost it forever. So a week later, I went online and I saw if I could find a replacement cap for him. And I found it. And one day, a parcel arrived on our doorstep with a cap that I had bought for my son. And I had it addressed to my son. So he couldn't work out where it had come from. And he opened it. And there it was, 
a replacement cap and he was so happy and he wore it everywhere, every day for about a week. And then suddenly I said to him, hey, 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 you do know where that cap came from, don't you? And he goes, no. And I said, you know, I'm the one who got you that cap, don't you? And he goes, no. And I said, what did you think? Did you think the universe delivered a parcel on your doorstep? The universe noticed your cap was missing and the universe just magically delivered you a replacement cap? And he looked at me and thought, yep, that's what I thought. And I said, dude, the universe does not care about you, but you have a dad who does. And it's the same with us. We have to come to that moment to realise the universe does not care. The universe is random, impersonal and unfeeling. But we do have a heavenly father who does care. And he cares so much. He loved us, he made us, and he sent us his son Jesus to save us. So what do we do with this God where we come to call out to him? That we know him personally through knowing Jesus. And we, we, when we know Jesus, we worship Jesus. Why? Because only Jesus will fulfill us, only Jesus will forgive us, and only Jesus will be the family we need.